Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. There's some people, before you sit down, before you sit down, there there are some people that, that come into the house and need to be pushed and need to be pumped and need to be primed. But then there's another group that you don't need much. You just got to think on the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. The Bible says my soul cries out. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I just want to know, does anybody, did anybody come to have church today? We don't come to play games. The Bible says enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him for the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures together forever in his faithfulness to all generations. What's good? Y'all all right? Yeah, y'all look good. Y'all look good. It's good to be gathered with the people of God. Y'all look nice and toasty in the room. It's been a cold week, cold, cold brick week. I, I, I was supposed to do some errands yesterday and um, uh, I, I got fully dressed to go outside and I went and I opened the door and I got a gust of wind that literally picked me up and put me back on the couch and I stayed there for the rest of the day. Didn't go anywhere. Turned the heat up in the house uh, because it's been, it's been a cold week. But I, man, I don't know about y'all. I thank God for the little things like heat. That we got heat in the room and those of you who are next door that we're not freezing cold that we do have, uh, we have heat and we're, we're really grateful and we honor God to be in his presence. Do me a favor, grab your Bibles. Go to the first book of the New Testament. Book of Matthew. Once you get there, go to Matthew chapter three. If you were here last week, you'll you'll have some familiarity with where we are. You're looking at Matthew three and Matthew four, and you're going, "Wait a minute, we we just were here." And so uh, we're in the same passage. This is the baptism of Jesus, which is very fitting for us today as we baptize people, y'all. Um, but also when he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, and we talked about identity, and we talked about what what our identity looks like. Um, being rooted in the voices that are in our ears. And I mean, I don't know, I don't know what happened, but the Lord really challenged the room. The Lord really challenged those of you who were, who were online and those next door. I was getting text messages and emails and I was getting um, phone calls all week. In fact, one of my friends sent me a video uh, where uh, him and his fiance was literally burning. They wrote down their lies and they went outside and they started burning up the lies uh, that the enemy has begun to tell them. And I don't, I don't know, maybe that's you in the room that was kind of wrestling through your identity issue. I'm just curious, did anybody resonate with last week's passage or last week's sermon and what the Lord was doing? Um, it was def- something, something different happened in the room. And, you know, I don't know if we figured this out. Like, I, I can't pinpoint exactly, you know, what it is. You never know when those moments happen. It's the work of the Spirit. And I think it, you know, it's why... God has placed preachers to preach the gospel because the gospel does stuff far beyond words and, and it does stuff far beyond intellect and it does stuff in the heart. And I begin to scratch my head saying, well, what, what was it? Why did this, this topic, why did this passage resonate? I, I do think that there's, you know, this church is primarily a young church. It's a lot of youth in here, a lot of 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds uh, and, and up. We have people that are, that are of older age. But I realized that this question of identity is the question that is most important to this generation. Because there are so, there are so many voices that are fighting for your attention. And I don't, think, you know, I don't think that God's voice is the only one in your ear. I think it needs to be the loudest. Somebody needs to spiritually turn up the volume of, of God in their ear so that we can understand what our identity, what our identity looks like. But I, I want to prove that just really quickly, I want to prove that this question of identity is the most important and pressing question of this generation. Do you know suicide rates of young adults have increased by 30% in the last decade? Since the 50s, it's quadrupled. 91% of teenagers in our country report a significant psychological symptoms due to stress and anxiety. In the last 15 years, this study shows from 2009 up until 2000, this was 2023, the percentage of young adult females, there's a, there's a percentage of young adult females who persistently are sad and hopeless. It's grown from 10% to 57%. 
Almost half of high school students, 45% to be exact, describe their mental health as very poor. No wonder, y'all, we have identity issues and we're in the midst of an identity crisis. And you walked in this morning, we're all over the spectrum as it relates to our identity. And yes, we have access to mental health, more mental health. We have uh, access to resources and medicine has improved. Technology has been developed. We've removed the stigma off of this idea of getting mental health. The previous generation, that was, you know, that, that was, you didn't do that. And, and here we are, we're able to do that now. Um, but yet we still are wrestling with things that the enemy has tried to do. And what if, what if, just what if what you're dealing with actually is spiritual? Just for a second, just, just ponder this with me. What if what you're dealing with really is spiritual warfare in your mind? and a spiritual attack on your identity. And so we're going to be in this passage again. This is the first time ever, ever, ever I've preached the same passage back to back um, two weeks straight. But I, when I left out of here last week, uh, the Lord was very clear that he's not done with this topic of who are you? Just look at somebody and just say, who are you? Come on, look at somebody else and just say, who, who are you? Who are you? Well, I believe that there's more work to do in this passage. And um, yeah, we'll make sense of it. Shout out to our first time visitors. We're glad you're here. We're in Matthew chapter three. I'm talking too much. Verse 13. Verse 13 says, then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him, him meaning John the Baptist. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? But Jesus answered and said, let it be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill righteousness. Then he consented. And, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and the spirit of God descending on him like a dove coming and rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Chapter four, verse one, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Somebody say he was hungry. That's important. We'll, we'll, we'll unpack that in a second. And the tempter came to him and said, if you really are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you really are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you. Just keep in mind, this is the devil that is quoting this scripture and on their hands, they will bear you up. lest you strike your foot against the stone. Now I, I stopped there last week and just for context and also to see the persistency of the enemy and also to see how Jesus usually combats the enemy with the word of God. I'm just gonna read a little bit more, even though our tech team doesn't have it. Jesus said to him, again, it is written to you. He's going to quote Deuteronomy 6, 16. You shall not put your Lord, the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, he's going to quote Deuteronomy 6 here. You shall, not, you, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now watch what happens. Then the devil left him and behold, the angels, uh, angels came and were ministering to him. I'm going to preach today from the topic entitled, and I, I didn't get really creative here. Who are you part two? Uh, who are you part two? Let's, uh, let's look to the Lord before we, um, before we get to the word father. Uh, yeah, we are, we here for some of us. That's, that's the end of our prayer. Because it's, it's, it's not much that we have. We, we, some of us are stumbling and we're limping in here. And that might be spiritually, but I also think we're limping in here trying to still figure out our identity. Because the discovery of our identity is not an event, it's a process. So Lord, as we come in here to process your word, I pray that you wouldn't just speak to our intellect. We want you to, we want to learn something. But Lord, speak to our hearts. May this go deeper than just thought. May this go to the transformation of our hearts. We give glory to your son, Jesus. It's in his name and his name alone we pray. Somebody say amen. amen. 
All right, who are you, part two. Um, you know, when I left church last week, I had this overwhelming burden to continue to pastor the church as it relates to this topic of identity. And, you know, I realized that some of you, you like, you're still really trying to figure it out. I read, you know, I read the lies that you put down. Like some of us are, it's some deep stuff. It's not surface. Like a lot of this stuff is triggered by trauma that we've had in our life. Some people talked, multiple people talked about suicide. Their identity began to change because it was triggered by, by suicide of family members and friends. And I think we're all just trying to answer this question of what is my purpose and what is my design? I mean, I don't think anybody in here would raise their hand and say, I don't want to know what that is. Like you, I think all of us want to, we're on this, we're on a journey of self-discovery. And I think part of self-discovery means that we have to start to pluck out those lies that the enemy began to, to tell us. And um, I have this picture in my mind last week when, when we were ending church. This picture has been in my mind all week of like, you know, you know how you go to an event and 300 people all let out of the event at the same time and then everybody calls their Uber at the same time? And everybody's outside, and you searching, and you, you looking. I don't know how y'all do. I'm looking at the color, the make, the model of the car, but that don't always help. And so you got to memorize the license plate. Because I'm 43, I can't memorize the license plate totally. You know, GT217. I just need the 217, and I just get the last three, and I'm searching, and I'm searching. In fact, one time we let out of church, and all of y'all called Ubers, and I jumped in one of y'all Ubers, and I didn't know it was yours until I got halfway to the Bronx. And y'all know I don't play those games. Y'all don't know play those games unless we go on a city island. So I'm halfway to the Bronx. I'm like, well, where are we, where are we going? I realized, oh, I jumped in somebody else's, somebody else's Uber. I have this picture in my mind that we all let out, let out of church and we all identified some areas of lies, which I believe that's just, we're scratching the surface. But I believe that many of you are still outside and you're searching for, you're trying to identify your Uber trying to identify your purpose, and you're still trying to identify your, well, how has God made me, and why has he made me like this? And if this is the case, why does my life not always reflect what God has said about me? And my guess is that there are some of you in this room that are walking in here and still going, I don't know who I am, because the lies that you were told were not just lies from six months ago. We're working through stuff that was told to us when we were a child. And some of the stuff that you were told and the identity that shaped you, it was, it was, it was lies that were told to you by people who were, who were influential in your life and people who raised you and people who, who you trusted and they poured lies into you and now you don't realize and you don't know why you get into the company of other people, you shrink back. You're trying to, fig- you're trying to figure out who you are. But today, I, I want to do just, I guess, a little different. Last week, we did a lot of deconstruction. That's why we ended church writing down the lies, because we wanted to deconstruct and plucked out. But, but I realized that if all you do is deconstruct, you will be left with a void. You, you will be left with a hole in your heart if you just pluck out. That space needs to be filled. So today, we're not just going to deconstruct, but we got to do a bit of, there it is, a reconstruction. We got to do some reconstruction. Because last week, we identified the lies of the enemy. Let me prophetically say some of the lies because you ain't identified all of them yet. But some of the lies you were able to identify that the enemy told you. But let's be honest, y'all. Y'all know we can't just focus on the lies of the enemy because that leads to despair. We need to focus on the truth of who God says we are. And so what, what I want to do today is I, I want to spend a little time talking about and do a little bit more deconstruction, but I, I got to do, I got to do some reconstruction and talk about the truth of what God has said we are. Now, context purposes, because I don't want to assume that you were here last week. This is the baptism of Jesus. This is also Jesus fasting 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. But the baptism, the Bible says that Jesus leaves Galilee and he's heading toward the Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist. Now, this is always funny to me because this isn't the first time that John the Baptist sees Jesus. The first time he sees Jesus, what does he say to him? He sees him on the banks of the Jordan. He says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist knew exactly who Jesus was. This is also the same John the Baptist that when he sees Jesus, he says, man, his sandals, I'm not even worthy to untie them. This is the same John the Baptist that when he sees him, he says, man, he ranks before me. And then he talks about his deity. He says, because he was before me. 
In other words, I, I know I, I just was born. I don't know how old John the Baptist is here, but I was just born. The one that I'm looking at that's standing on the banks of the river that's asking me to baptize him actually created me. It's, it's mind-boggling. And so this is John the Baptist's context. This is John the Baptist that is like, I see Jesus, but it's no way I'm baptizing him because he's the lamb. He's the son of God. He, he is God. I can't baptize him. And Jesus is like, you got to. Because if you don't, we won't fulfill righteousness. John the Baptist is like, get in the water then. We're going we're to we're do it today then. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus, which, by the way, is by immersion. I, I can prove this to you. Like, the Bible is very literal. Do you realize that we read it and it said that Jesus came up out of the water? It's why we fill up the pool. You know how much work this is for the deacons? You know how much work Nate put in early this week, having to come and set up this pool? You know how much water we had to put into this pool? You know how much water we got to drain outside of this pool? It's so much easier. Pastor Caleb, he could have put his hand in some water and sprinkled you. Pop. Accomplished the same thing. But the Bible says that Jesus went down into the water. He came, he came up out of the water. So he comes up out of the water and two things happen. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is like, whew, comes and ascends on him like a dove. And then the heavens open. And when the heavens open, there's an audible voice of God. Y'all, we got to focus on that today. Because last week, the only thing I focused on was the fact that God set the identity for Jesus. But we ran past the fact that we serve a God that speaks, a God that talks, a God, a God that communicates with us. In fact, look how it says it in verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove. And coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, we got to do something with this, y'all. Because we run past stuff like this. We read this and be like, okay, God talks. But do you realize that I marvel over the fact that we serve a God that wants to communicate with us? Christianity, uh, humanity could have been a cosmic uh, wind-up clock that he, he wound you up and you just kind of go through life. But that's not how he does. He creates you and then he says, I want intimacy. And so I'm going to build a way for them to talk to me. Through prayer. And then I actually speak back to them. God is always speaking. And if you're in a season where you feel like God is silent, he ain't silent. It's probably because you got to remove the ear racks out of your ear to hear from God. Declutter the voices that are around you. Do you know how much God talked in the Old Testament? Do you know how much God talked in the New Testament? God constantly is communicating with you. And there's these phrases throughout scripture that he uses. And God spoke to Moses. Don't run past that. That's amazing. And, and, and it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The Lord, this Abraham, and he's about to lift up the knife and he's about to sacrifice his son. The Lord called to him from heaven. The Bible says over and over again that God said, and God doesn't just speak in an audible voice, but God speaks through visions, and God speaks through dreams, and God speaks through prophecy, and God speaks through preaching. Do you realize that right now God is speaking right now because we serve a God that speaks? And if you could only get still enough to hear. See, y'all, we live in New York. We live in New York. It's, it's, it's always something fighting for your attention. It's always something noisy. It's always something shiny. It's always something loud. When I send my kids out in the world, I know that they ain't going to be the only, I'm not going to be the only voice in their ear. But here's my prayer, Lord. I know they're going out there and they're going to hear from 10 different fools. But what I need to be is the loudest voice in their ear. That's my prayer for you is that God speaks and you would actually hear him and declutter all of the noise. I don't know why y'all not. I feel like I'm working and y'all ain't giving nothing today. You got to say something before I give you some. I got you. I got you. There's a statement, y'all, that I used last week that I just want to read it again. I literally copy and paste it and put it in here, but I want to unpack it a little bit. Here's what I said last week. We must build our identity on who God says we are. And we rejoiced. We were like, yes and amen. I, I, can't, I can't build my identity on the lies of the enemy. I got to build my identity on what God says. But here's what we need to do some work on. The God that speaks, actually, I don't just rejoice over the fact that he talks. I rejoice over the fact that when he speaks, it's truth. I rejoice over the fact that when he speaks, it happens. Oh, 
Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, so my word goes forth out of my mouth and it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that what I desire and I it'll achieve its purpose. So when God speaks, let me make it more, more central to you. When God spoke your identity, it comes to pass because, pass because of two reasons. He tells the truth and it comes to pass because he is God. Bible says, and behold, a voice came from heaven and said that God speaks, that he talks. And when he talks, it's true and it happens. Do me a favor. Go to Genesis 1 real quick. Go to Genesis 1. Because it, you, I don't, that's how I'm wired. When I, see, when I see stuff like God said, I said, I want to know when he first talked. When's the first time creation heard his voice? Do me a favor. In Genesis 1. I almost feel a little embarrassed here. Everybody go to it. I know sometimes y'all like it's going to go on the screen. I didn't tell the tech team to put this on the screen. So I need you to grab this one. Whenever we read stuff, sometimes if we're not careful and we're not saying, Spirit, would you, would you illuminate my mind? Re- reveal to me. Reveal. This is a familiar. This is the creation story. I know this story. But God showed me something. I'm a little embarrassed. He showed me something that I've never seen before. Never seen this before. Maybe you, you know, y'all look spiritual today, so maybe you got this one in the bag already. But I just now am seeing this. There's two bookend phrases that's constantly used in Genesis 1. And the bookend statements show us the truthfulness and the power that's packed in God's words. Now, here's the bookend statements. It always starts with God said. And it always ends with it is so. Because when he says it, it is so. I'm going to just walk through this real quick. Verse 6, and God said, that's the bookend, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse in the waters, uh, separate the waters that were under the expanse from the waters and so uh, and, and that were above the expanse. Here it is. And it was so. Here's the bookend. God spoke and it came to pass. Verse number 9. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Verse 11, here's the book in, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetations and plants and yielding seed, the fruit trees bearing fruit in which their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. Verse 14, and God said, let the light, let there be light in the expanse of heavens to separate the day from the night and let it be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Uh, verse 15 says, and let them be lights in the expanse of, expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Verse number 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind, livestock and creeping things and beasts on the earth according to its kind. And it was so. Verse 29, last one. And God said, behold, I have given every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its, uh, in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth. Let Everything, uh, it says, uh, everything that has breath in life have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Every time God spoke at the end of him speaking, it says it was so. In other words, God speaks, and it actually happens. And we read this, and you know what a tree is. But put yourself back in Genesis 1, where a tree didn't exist. You know what the sun is. But put yourself back in Genesis 1 where there was no such thing. We didn't know. We couldn't even fathom what a son was. But it came to pass because God speaks. And when he speaks, stuff just starts to happen. Gas starts to form into a star. And God looks down at you and he speaks and he molds you. And he blows in the breath of life because when God speaks, something begins to happen. There's no such thing as water until God speaks. And after he speaks, it was so. There's no such thing as the earth until there's no such thing as human. There's no such thing as livestock. What is livestock? Whatever God just said it was. And it's delicious. Because God speaks and it happens. His word is so powerful that right now you can go outside and see something that he spoke 
thousands of years ago. And let me mess you up. I just got to keep turning around. Let me mess you up. He, he actually, this is how powerful God's work, well, word is. He don't got to speak it 10 times. He ain't got to say tree. Come on. Come on. What are you doing? No, he spoke an apple tree. You can go find an apple tree right now and it's bearing fruit. Y'all ain't hearing me. You're, the sun is shining every single day. The clouds might block it, but the sun is shining because 2,000 years ago, the God that we serve spoke and it was so. It was so. Now, the reason you're not really rejoicing because you haven't connected it to your identity yet. Because let me tell you something about your identity. The same one that said livestock live and it started living. The same one that says, son, set that far because if you get too close, you'll burn everything up. And it started burning. That God said, this is who you are. And I got to put this at the end of your life. And it was so. Oh, come on, y'all. We serve a God that speaks. And it happens. And so when I read stuff like this, it helps me to realize that our identity is not something that we have to go out there and discover. Our identity, rather, is something that we receive and we work from. Oh, this will change your life if you hear me. Because many of you are out there trying to discover who you are and you're trying to figure out who you are. But I would rather stop the, the endless pursuit of trying to discover who I am and I would rather walk in a bit of liberty and say, I am what God says and from there I work. I work from there, y'all. I don't know who it is in this room. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know who it is in this room that you're trying to discover who you are by unworthy means. Trying to discover who you are about what other people says. But if I've read this text right, behold, a voice came from heaven and said that voice that talks actually comes to pass. And if he called me out of darkness, why am I still remaining in darkness? It was so. So this is the kind of God we and that, you know, it's so exhausting to try to be discovering who you are. Now, there's there's a sense of self-discovery. I get that you should. You might not automatically know there's a sense of self-discovery. But even that I'm working from the base of what God has already said. And one is exhausting and the other one is life giving. What is life giving to work from what God has already declared? B, you know, I hear you and I'm not even gonna, I'm not even going to rebuttal that. Like, I believe that God speaks. I see it in Scripture. I'm not even going to rebuttal the fact that when he speaks, he tells the truth and it comes to pass. I'm not going to rebuttal that. But you got to help me to understand what does he say about me? Right. That's a, what specifically. What does he say about me? There's some things in scripture that he says about you that I don't think we put an end. It was so at the end of it. Can I give you an example? Do you realize in scripture in Ephesians chapter two, verse four and five, that God says, watch this, that you are loved. Do you know how many people don't feel loved? I got up this morning. God really revealed this to me. There are some of you in the room that you don't feel loved. You feel useful. And you feel like God has some, because you got some skills. And you, got, you can bring something to the table. And so you feel like God just used me. And God is like, I'm going to use you, but I actually love you. So many people feel unlovable. And that's the thing I love about our God, that our God loves, loves people that nobody else in your circle will love you. But God loves you, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, with the great love in which he loved us. He made us alive together with Christ. So get this. The same one that spoke the Son in existence said, I love you. At the end of that, can we put it? And it was so. I got another one. You're not just loved. But 1 John 3 says that you are a child of God. Do you know how many people in this room are struggling, especially if you got fatherless issues or you got a abandonment issues? First John three says, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And then it ends with. And so we are. It's almost the same thing as Genesis where God calls something and it happens. He said, you're a child of God. And at the end of it, he says, and so you are. This morning, we, we have, you know, we do a little quick huddle with, with all of our, our leaders that are serving. And Ty led our huddle today, and she did, a, you know, just a quick thought and quick devotional. And it, she talked about this passage where God calls us children of God. I don't know if we know what that means, that we are children of God. And you know, the Bible goes on to say that, that, that God, the Father, gives good gifts to his children. I think about, you know, my parenting responsibilities. And as a father, yo, listen. I love everybody in this room, but the love I have for my children is just different. 
I, I need a parent to back. It's just, I can't explain it. And I didn't need to be worked up. The first moment of conception, I was like, ooh, that love is different. You want to get on my, you want to get on Ty's bad side? Mess with one of the boys. She get real Brooklyn. And you know she get real Brooklyn when she use them hands. I know you. I was like, oh, somebody about to get it. Because you mess, because there's a love. There's a, there's a covenant that we have with our children. And can I mess you up? The covenant, Jordan, is not based on conditions. There's nothing my boys get. There are moments I'm disappointed. There's moments I have to chastise. There's moments I have to correct. But there's nothing my boys will come to say to me that I'm going to disown them. Why? Because the love is unconditional. I believe somebody in this room, you came in here stumbling. You came in here limping. You came in here trying to figure it out. And you're like, there's no way I can be a child of God. Do you realize that God celebrates the steps, not the fall? Ashton was in the first service. Ashton and Angela, um, I, I was, um, I, they're, 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 the baby Ashton, my nephew, he was, he was up in my office uh, last week. And I was holding him and Angela going, Pastor, he can walk, put him down. And so I put him on the ground. I said, man, you can walk now? Now, I don't know if Tyler's really know how to walk. It's like a controlled fall. It's like a Oompa Loompa. It's kind of like this. And, it, you know, Ashton, little baby Ashton was walking like this. And he took about six or seven steps. And then, boom, he fell. And Angela picked him up and said, come on, Bubba. And she turned him around, and he walked, and he took steps. And we all, yeah, come on, come on, Ashton. And he got to my table by my desk, and he fell again. And then he went up under my table. Now, he fell two times. Nothing in me wanted to pull Ashton and Angela aside and be like, yo, what's wrong with the kid? <laughs> Bruh, he fell twice. First of all, I can't talk like that to Ash because he, be, he you know, I'm nicer than him with my hands. I know he's in the gym, but you know, I, he, he's, I, there's nothing in me that wanted to say, yo, he fell. I didn't even pay attention to the fall. I celebrated the steps because I'd never seen him walk before. And you serve a God that picks you up. Every time you fall and you're starting to spiritually stumble and he picks you up, he says, come on, Bubba, keep walking, keep moving. There's somebody in this room that's stuck in the fall. And God is like, if you don't get up, I'm with you. Behold, I'm with you. In your identity crisis, you might be walking and stumbling and falling right now. But God is calling you to get back up. Keep, here's why. Because he says, that's my child. And I, the love I have for my children, God loves, my, God loves us infinity more than that. And there's nothing that you can do that will break that. So he, he loves you. It's Ephesians 2. Number two, what, what else does he say? He calls you a child of God, and it was so. Can I give you one more? Do you realize that you were forgiven? He says you are forgiven in his word. And if God says I am forgiven, I really, people might hold it against me. I may not forget. Thank you, Lord. Somebody in here has not forgiven themselves for what God has already forgave you for. And we were in 1 John 3. What about 1 John 2? 1 John 2 is exactly what it talks about. It talks about you being forgiven. It says, I am writing to you. Here it is again, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Somebody in this room is living in regret. You're living in shame and you're trying to wonder why it shapes your identity. The reason your identity is negatively impacted is because you're living in that shame. Y'all remember when I said we shrink back in conversation and we shrink back and we don't really want to show the world who we really are. I wonder if it's because you don't feel like you're forgiven. You feel like you're still held accountable to what you did. But if God said you, let me say it differently. If the God that spoke the moon in place said that you were forgiven and it was so, I need us to believe that God speaks and it happens, that God tells the truth and it happened. I don't care the lie that you've been told. Oh, why am I getting angry? I'm going to move on. So the only problem, and I don't even know if it's a, I can't really say problem. The only concern I have is that God isn't the only one in the text speaking. There's somebody else that's speaking. Look at verse, look at verse 1 in chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, thank you Jesus, into the wilderness 
to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him. Here it is. And said, now I'm messed up when I read this because I'm like, why does Matthew call him the tempter? Like we read over stuff. Why is he called the tempter? This is the same one that God has already spoken over Jesus' life. And he's now trying to uproot and say, are you really the son of God? And sowing the seed of doubt. But Matthew calls him the tempter. And what I did, Pastor Caleb, I tried to do good research today, uh, this week. And so what I did was I said, let me see how the other gospels dealt with this passage and what they call saying. Because when I read Matthew's account, do you know Mark talks about the same thing? Do you know Luke talks about the same thing? And Matthew calls him the tempter. But Mark don't call him the tempter. Mark called him Satan. Then I went to Luke. I said, well, Luke, what you going to call him? Luke don't call him the tempter, nor does he call him Satan. Luke calls him the devil. And then it hit me. The writers are not merely identifying the Lord's opponent. They are describing his character. And this is, see, last week I focused on what the, the, the tempter said. This week, I want to focus on the character of the tempter, because when I read scripture, he's defined in so many ways. Let me just do a little quick running list. You know, the Bible describes him as the accuser. It describes him as the adversary. It describes him as the beast. It describes him as the enemy and the evil one and lawless one and Lucifer and the prince of the power of the air, the rulers of darkness. We know this one. It describes him as a thief. Do you know that the Bible describes him as a deceiver? The Bible describes him in one place. Oh, this is going to mess us up. This is the one I'm still dealing with, y'all. It describes him as a disguise of the angel of light. Oh, man. I, I really got to work here, y'all. I got to work here. Do you know 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 says this is about Satan? For even Satan disguises himself as the angel of light. Here's what you did last week. I said, write down that lie. And you took that, you took that epiphany card and you wrote down one lie. But can I mess you up? That was the obvious lie. That was the, you know that one. But there's some lies that the enemy spoke to you that's cloaked in truth. And you don't know that is a lie because the, the, the angel has disguised himself as an angel of light when he's an angel of death. Do you really think y'all are my help? I feel my help over here. Do you realize, I just want to show you how he disguises himself because I think this is going to set y'all free. This is going to set us free. Check this out. When he comes to Jesus, the first thing he does is just talk. Turn the stones into bread. And what does Jesus do? Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8.3. I want to show you the deceiver. I'm going to show you the, the one that disguises himself. He's like, oh, okay. So he knows scripture. So therefore, in order to get him, I got to cloak the, I got to cloak the lie in the truth. And so what the enemy does is the enemy goes back to him, sets him on the pinnacle, and then the enemy quotes Psalm 91. He will never quote all of it. Never quote all of it. He'll only quote the part that, 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 that pushes his agenda. And here's why I can say that. Because Psalm 91, he quotes verse 11 and 12. He's going to command his angels to care for you. Your foot won't hit the stone. But you know what he didn't quote? He didn't quote the first two verses. Do you know what the first two verses say? He that dwells in the, the shadow of the most high shall abide under the shadow. I will say of the Lord, he is my God and my refuge and my fortress. In him will I trust. He'll never say the part that God's going to protect you. No. You know why? Because when the disguise of angel of light comes to you, he wants to. And you all think you all so smart. But you're not smarter than the disguise of light. You need the Holy Ghost. To reveal the lie cooked in the truth. The list. Y'all, can we go back to the list? The list of lies, you got more work to do on it. Because the obvious ones ain't the ones that's going to get you in 2024. The obvious ones ain't the one that's going to get you when you walk out of here and say, I can't wait to live for Jesus. No, it's the ones that sound right. It's the one that sound like truth. It's the ones that you've been living by. You can't figure out why you can't get out of this, 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 this dump. You can't figure it out because it was a lie told you, told to you, but it was cloaked in the truth. 
I don't know who it is in the room. I want to move on. I promise. I got, I got two other points. So I got to move quick here. But I really, I really don't want you to walk out of here and only think about the obvious. This is also why I'm not overly impressed when people come up to me with a word that has scripture attached to it. Now, hear me. I ain't telling y'all don't memorize scripture. I ain't telling y'all don't exercise gifts. I want y'all to do all of it. But I am very discerning and careful. And you got to be too. Because there are some people that will completely mess up your life and they will cloak it in the scripture. Just because you cloak, just because you quoted scripture don't mean you actually know. The devil just quoted Psalm 91. Some of you, your identity has been thrown off. Oh, this is going to mess you up. Because of thus saith the Lord. You've been messed up. It, is this section hearing me? Because they, they got me. They got me. Y'all got me. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I've been, listen y'all. I have been almost bamboozled by people who have come up to me with a thus saith the Lord. And they was a lying Negro. Because that's the thing. That's the thing about it. I'm sorry, Ty. I didn't mean to say that. That's the thing about it. Listen, this is the thing about it. We're so nice and we're so kind. And what happens is when you know the person in front of you is giving you an off word, what we do is we be like, oh, I got to go think about the devil's lie. I'm going to tell you to your face. That's a lie. I don't want to take that in because so many of us have allowed lies to seep into our spirit because they sounded good. Oh, be careful of that chat, y'all. That chat has a way of seeping lies into your spirit and they sound right. I got to move on. I'm going to move on. I just don't want y'all to be manipulated. All right. One more point. I, I don't have time for two more. One more. Nah, y'all say it take my time, but y'all want to go to bro. I know. Knock it off. Everybody else here going, oh, why they say it take your time? I'm going to move on. We ran past this, and I asked y'all to pay attention to it. But verse 1 says, then Jesus was led, chapter 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, I love this. It says he was hungry. Now, we run past that. You know why? Because it doesn't seem like there's any substance there. But when I see hunger, actually what I see is humanity. See, we focus on the deity of Christ. The hypostatic union, deep word, but that just means that he was fully God, 100% God and 100% man, not 50-50. He was 100 and 100. He really was a human being. And so when it says he's hungry, that lets me know that the God that I serve got tired, breathed air, used the bathroom, and got hungry. Remember that time he walked up on the fig tree? The Bible says he walked up on a fig tree and it was the season for the figs to be on the tree. And Jesus, the Bible literally says in two different places that Jesus was hungry. And so I, this might be a bad interpretation, but rock with me for a second. He walks up and I wonder if he cursed it out of a hunger pain. Y'all know them pains? Y'all seen that Snickers commercial where Betty White turned into a whole nother person? I showed Ty a, a meme this week and it was, the person was hungry. He said, I'm 30 minutes from being a whole nother person. But Jesus walks up on the fig tree and the fig has no fruit on it. Now, there's a dip, deeper significance that I don't have time to unpack. But at the core, Jesus was hungry. Y'all know, y'all, like y'all ever brought leftovers home and y'all put it in the refrigerator and you had your taste buds ready and you went to the refrigerator and somebody else ate it. My youngest son is sick, but I hope he's watching because he's the repeated offender in our house. Like he does. Like I, I wish for a second Jesus give me a little bit, a little bit of his power, because Jesus cursed the tree and it stopped. I would turn my son into a chihuahua in a second. You ate my what? And I don't know how y'all do, but I wake up thinking about food. It don't take me long. I, I know what I'm having for lunch and dinner by breakfast. I already. But Jesus being hungry, it's so much deeper than food. Jesus hunger goes to his humanity. Well, what does his humanity show me? If he's human, that means he's able to identify and understand me. The God that you are going to to work out your identity crisis is a God that's two things, empathetic and sympathetic. 
Oh, I got to go to Hebrews. Hebrews says this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every respect that was tempted as we are, yet without sin. So the one that you are presenting all your issues to and all your problems and all your identity issues is like, baby, come to me. You know why? Because I understand them because I was hungry, meaning I'm human. Jesus understands your issues. And some of you in here right now are going, there's no way he can understand me. But in his humanity, he was subject to the same kind of trials. I talked to some of y'all and some of y'all, y'all tell me, Pastor, you really can't understand it because you ain't ever struggle with it. Cool. I'll give you that. But I know someone that understands every issue. So there's nothing you can bring to him that he's going to go, oh, let me go talk to the spirit because I don't know this one. No, he understands all of them and he welcomes. This is why he says, come to me, you who are heavy laden. And I will give you, I'll give you rest. I believe that this room, play something soft, Matthias. I believe that this room is searching. You're outside looking for the identity of your Uber. I believe that. But what you're going to have to do this week is sift and discern. Thank you, Jesus. Discern between the lies and discern between the not just the obvious, but the, the ones that you think might be true. Make that list and ask God to differentiate between the two. Ty has, um, I'm ending. Ty has me watching this show on Netflix with Brooke Baldwin. She's the host and the show is called The Truth. No, The Trust. It's called The Trust. But, but the show is about, have you seen it? The show is about uh, 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 trying, to, trying to get everybody that's in the house to all make it to the end. And, but we got to trust each other. Now, here's the thing about the trust on the show. The trust is you're working through all of these lies. And all of this deception and the, the show is written so well, sometimes they know how to bring out the lies without it because they, they, they're, they're not. The job of the show is not to expose everybody. It's for you to get to expose yourself. And so they're sifting through lies and they're sifting through truth and they're trying to find out who to trust. And let me tell you, I know that majority of this room and the room next door, I know what we doing. We're going through lie, life and we're sifting through lies. And sifting through truth but I want us to get to the place where we fully trust that the God who spoke livestock and it was so is the God that speaks to our identity and we can work from it I want to pray for somebody today I'm over time but I genuinely believe that there's somebody in here that when I said that there's some lies that has been told to you that is cloaked in the truth there are some of you in here that immediately identify with that. You know, I was thinking about that. I don't know. I don't really, is that really a lie? What you need is discernment. And I, that's all I want to pray. I want to end our time praying for discernment. And so if that's you in here, if there's lies that's been told to you that are less obvious, can you do me a favor? And you're trying to figure it out, just come to the altar. Come around the altar so we can pray together. Because here's what I know. We're all in this thing together, y'all. Thank you for coming. We're all in this thing together. And as you're trying to figure it out, what you need is Holy Ghost discernment. You need God to make it black and white. That's a lie. Here's the truth. Because our, our identity has been negatively shaped and impacted by almost truths. How many know that an almost truth is a lie? Because when God speaks and God talks, you can take it to the bank. You can put all your chicks. Do y'all see the altar? If you're next door, there are people that are willing to pray with you. You can also come over here. I, I want to pray because you guys getting up is a sign that I'm tired. No, I'm sick and tired of going through life living a lie living the truth every head bow every eye close Lord you see the altar these are your sons these are your daughters and Lord what I know about each and every one of them is that you have a purpose for them 
and you've spoke it over their life and we might not know it yet we might be still trying to discover it but Lord let us not discover it by unworthy means Lord I pray that you would silence the voices around us that are telling us lies even though they might even think they're truth Lord I pray oh God that you would give us a sense of discernment that you would give us a new sense of understanding oh thank you Lord that you would give us insight Lord that's what we need We need revelation. We need supernatural insight. We need stuff that naturally we would never, ever be able to understand. But God, your spirit reveals truth to us. Lord, I pray John 17 over this altar. Sanctify them in your truth. For your word is your truth. Lord, I pray that you would begin to chisel at the hearts of this altar. Lord, I don't want to I don't want to run past the trauma that they're dealing with. Someone's dealing with, thank you. There's a young man that's dealing with something that's so deep that they've never told anybody. There's a young woman on this altar dealing with something that is so heartbreaking that if she tells somebody, she feels like she will be judged. But Lord, you are sympathetic and empathetic that you go so far, oh God, as to not call us up, but you come down and you meet us where we are. And so, Lord, I pray that you would build testimonies on this altar. Lord, this is not just, this is a sign of them getting up saying no more. I pray that you would begin to reveal purpose and identity. I pray, oh God, that others around them would begin to live in the truth because you have called them to live in the truth. And because they are, others around them will save their family, save their friends, put your word in their mouth, put your word in their heart. And ultimately, I pray that we will be people that are identified as sons and daughters of you. Not identified by our occupation. Thank you for the job. Not identified by what we, not identified for our useful gifts. But identified as children. Identified as loved. And ultimately, identified as forgiven. Because you are worthy of our praise and our allegiance. So Lord, may we walk back from this altar completely transformed and changed. Build testimonies for your glory and for your honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. Would you do me a favor? Just go back a little bit more confident. Just a a little bit. Go back to your seat a little bit more confident than you came. You may be seated. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord.